Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hi, I'm Dino Tripodis. Tonight on Whiskey Business, a baseball promotion that went slightly awry back in June of 1974. Alex Hasty from the podcast Ohio v. The World joins us tonight as we talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Texas Rangers on Whiskey Business. and welcome to Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. And uh, uh, I'm probably a football fan first and then a baseball fan. I love baseball. I don't pay nearly as much attention to it as some would over the course of a season. I tend to pay a little bit more attention when it gets to where we are now in the playoffs and whatnot and then eventually the World Series. But what I do appreciate about baseball is the fact that that it has such a rich, rich history. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And tonight, we have the opportunity to talk about some of the ugly. One night in particular, uh, we'll be talking with Alex Hasty from Ohio v. The World, uh, one of the best historical podcasts you're ever going to come across. Alex has been a frequent flyer here on Whiskey Business. It's been a long time since we had him back. We're going to talk about a fateful night in June, June 4th, actually, of 1974, when the Cleveland Indians were up against the Texas Rangers at Cleveland Municipal Stadium on a, a promotion that was called 10 Cent Beer Night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what could possibly have gone wrong? Sounds like a good uh, idea to me. <laughs> a lot. So <laughs> we're thrilled that you're with us tonight and thrilled to have Alex Hasty back on the podcast, man. Long time. Long time no chat, man. Yeah, it's good I to mean, see you guys. I mean, we see each other on a fairly regular basis, but as far as the podcast is concerned, not so much. And one cool thing about tonight is that uh, Ohio v. The World and Whiskey Business are both part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. We are. Yes. We're podcast brothers. We're podcast, We're podcast brothers. Woo-hoo! We Brethren. are crossing over. We are crossing swords. As they say. <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, I know. It is. I don't think Alex and I have crossed swords. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, maybe a while ago. Maybe. That, maybe that bathroom at the town club's a yeah, little small. Yeah, during a Christmas party, possibly. Yeah, for sure. Maybe. For sure. Yeah. And then we both say we'll never talk of this again. <laughs> <laughs> Until now. Well, I was talking with Hansberry. This is my fourth appearance. I yeah, thought it was four. my third, but I, I forgot about when we talked about the state of Michigan. Yeah, right. We, this last time. Maybe not the last time I was on, but I totally forgot about that Might one. Might have been the last one. But Every- he, he was on like early season one like yeah. maybe we're like less than 10 episodes in yeah, right, seven, right, or eight. Came right, on. right right and uh, uh every one of your podcasts has been great you know uh, it's uh and i expect this one to be no less than great as well but what a great topic which we'll get into in just a moment um before we do that we need to uh first of all thank john whitney for bringing in our guest yeah. model for this mm-hmm. evening his recent trip to Kentucky. The party source. Yeah. Did you get this from the party source? I got it from the party source. He brought us back a bottle of Widow Jane. I like it. 
whiskey distilled from a rye mash. This is the American Oak Aged Whiskey. Uh, kind of a whiskey value. This ranges in price somewhere between $47.99. What'd you pay for it? I think $52. $52? Okay, fair enough. This is a Kentucky uh, price. <laughs> this is. Uh, have you guys tried? Have you tried it already? Yeah, I like, you it like a lot. rye whiskeys. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. This is a rye that won't smack you in the face. Oh, no, it's good. It's, nice it's kind of a gentle, smoother rye. It's nice. Um, it's got. Uh, well, look at the color too. It almost looks like a Jameson. Very light. Yeah. Hold it up. Very light. Mm-hmm. It's got. Uh, it's very pretty. I told you I didn't know for sure if I had tried this on a on a Thanksgiving weekend, but my brother in law who loves to get different, but you know he doesn't like rye, so he wouldn't have got this. But this one, mm-hmm. Hansberry, you've developed. Yeah. I, I, I pick up vanilla on this, mm-hmm. cucumber, really <laughs> cucumber. <laughs> I, nothing crazy, but I did learn something since the last episode we did. You know that you can smell differently out of each side of your nostril. Yes, mm. I never knew that. I didn't know that. Yeah, and so did like, you know that you can you can do this, and then you got to remember the open mouth. Yeah, yeah. remember the open mouth. Yeah, remember yeah. the open mouth. What's the open mouth? You just sniff with your mouth open. Well, yeah, you, you because the when you get a little bit more the yeah the taste buds are involved mm-hmm. with the smelling. It's a whole different thing. <laughs> I lost my smell there a little a few months ago, so it's good to have it back. <laughs> did you? Oh, did you have COVID? I did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. yeah. Sorry, yeah, it was, it was. Did you? Were you a breakthrough case, or did you actually have? My it wife you? was a breakthrough. She got it for me and the the baby. The baby got it from a mother in law as a teacher. Wow, um, wow. But you know, the baby's up in her face. You know, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah, the vaccine's right. really up against. You know, we decided to sleep in different rooms. That was our big plan, but then spend you know sixteen hours right. together. Um, but yeah, I couldn't smell for two or three months, man. So and I didn't miss it. I don't care about smell. I've decided. Taste the problem. I lost taste, but smell. So of all the senses, you get rid of smell. Smell is useless. I'm changing diapers. You know, I don't care. Oh, yeah, that, that's right. true. Yeah, yeah. I don't care about smell. All right. Seriously, as, an, as a, it's probably, yeah, that's a, accurate. a proud Columbus Italian Club member, you don't want to... Of all the senses? I mean, smell them? Sight, I'd rather have hearing. I'd certainly rather have taste. Would you rather have hearing or or sight if you had to choose between losing one? Would I'm going rather, sight. You're gonna go, you'd rather be blind? No, I'd rather have sight. You'd rather have oh, sight, for yeah. sure. But smelling could save your life. Eh. Smelling's overrated. Yeah. You know, gas. <laughs> right, the gas smell. Yeah. It is. I mean, when's the last time you really used smell and it really mattered? Come right. On. How often do you really have a gas How many times do, have you picked something up and go on, you smell it first before you even eat it? That's Never. true. Never? I don't, I don't smell. I'm not a big smell guy. What I've been married for over 20 years. I don't do that anymore. Well, I think I'm, pretty much everybody's got touch. Well, not everybody, but most people got touch. What if you didn't have to? What if you didn't touch, feel anything you touched? Okay, yeah. I mean, touch is good. I would I would rather have touch than smell. <laughs> smell is last. Yeah, yeah. I tend to This agree. might be a record for going down a rabbit hole on whiskey business, ladies and gentlemen. Forget smell. Uh, Hansberry, a little bit of business before we actually kick into gear, because uh, tonight we're going to talk about one of the worst debacles in baseball history, the 10-cent beer night at Cleveland Municipal Stadium on uh, June the 4th of 1974. I don't know what they were thinking, but Alex Hasty will inform us on all of it this evening. But first, a little bit of business. We well, thank the Evergreen Podcast. Mm-hmm, thank, thank you him. so much for indulging us and letting us be part of your family. That's right, evergreenpodcasts.com, where you can find Alex's podcast, as long as uh, other sister and brethren podcasts mm-hmm. of ours. Uh, whiskeybusinesspod.com is uh, our website, our our landing page, as, they, as the kids say. Uh, you can find our archives, videos, writings from Dino, photographs, that kind of stuff. 
But we're also on the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Thanks for uh, subscribing and liking us. Uh, YouTube with uh, Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Click on the little bell icon right there uh, and, and the like. Is it so right subscribe. there? It's one of these. Is it right here. there? Maybe it's over here more. I don't know. I can't see this. Mm-hmm. I don't have a monitor, John. <laughs> uh, but you'll get notifications whenever we have a, a, a upload. And we do sometimes fun videos and stuff there. Uh, but otherwise, subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you haven't already, uh, like and share uh, with all your friends. And uh, this is a this will be a fun one to share. Uh, we just did a, our Halloween one, which is always our yeah, one of our seasonal one. favorites. But this baseball one is is bound this to is, be this a, one's right a, in the wheelhouse. Great we one. are you know in the playoffs with with baseball and the World Series. Word of mouth, um, pass it yeah, on. Yeah, man, this is great. Cheers. And, uh, I'm you. sorry that the Cleveland Indians are not in the playoffs, no. but uh, back in June of 1974, June 4th, I believe, to be specific. Yes, on my T-shirt. I'm wearing a Diamond Beer Night T-shirt here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very cool. June 4th, 74. June 4th, 74. A night to be remembered, or some people would probably like to forget about it. <laughs> uh, what happened at Cleveland Municipal Stadium is uh, a night to remember. And Alex's last podcast of this particular season is uh, about 10 cent beer night at Cleveland Municipal. Ohio v. The World is probably um, one of the best history podcasts out there. You do a great job, brother. You really do. Yeah, we t- normally handle a more serious topic than this, but it's fun to talk and, about. Some- and yet you handled this one. This one, well, actually, uh, you, uh, as far as filling in all the the middle parts, but but on this one, it's a, it, as you say in the podcast, it's an oral history. You yeah. got a lot of great interviews and a lot of great people talking, which we'll talk about here as we as we move on this evening. But let's talk about first of all, let's just set it up for everybody. What happened initially? What was the idea? What was the promotion? What was the thought process <laughs> <laughs> on June fourth of nineteen seventy four? In Cleveland. So you got to understand the Cleveland Indians in 1974 are in the middle of a 40-year playoff drought. So, you know, we all grew up with the movie Major League, which is just one of my favorite, not just movies, but sports movies. But that was about the time period around then that the Indians, that was an 80s movie, but the Indians are terrible and they're drawing nothing. So the year before, they got this giant stadium. And you ever go to Cleveland Municipal back in the day? It it it, it, it would seat like uh, 70,000, 70, 80,000 people. So and that, they would, but real quick, that was my first question. It's not the same stadium they have now. This is no, a, no, okay, no, no, no. got it. They had a stadium that they built in the late 20s, a giant stadium that they built in an attempt to get the 1932 Summer Olympics, <laughs> okay, right, right. which they were never really in the running for. Cleveland's the fifth biggest city in the country. It's like a Philadelphia or Houston back then. Um, but not it went to Los Angeles it went to Los Angeles and it it would have gone a million other places before it went to Cleveland (laughs) so they have this giant stadium and the Indians start playing in there it's not a baseball stadium it's a football track and field Olympic stadium and you look at their attendance the year before they they drew 600,000 people they got 70,000 people on opening day we did the math on it they're getting five or six thousand people a night in the stadium that's not, that's not cutting it. No, it's not. It's about half of what they need in attendance to break even. So we had an interview with, with uh, the executive vice president's son who, who talked about how do you get to this point where you're so desperate for people that you have a 10-cent beer night <laughs> where you just kind of just put it all on the line. for And they drew. And, you know, they it, that game drew 25,000 fans, which on a Tuesday night, uh, in Cleveland was you know like it's four times yeah, yeah. Now, four times the amount of people they normally get. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, th- prior to this game, 
there was some animosity between the Rangers prior to this, yes? Yes. So the week before they played in Texas, huge brawl. Um, and the Rangers fans poured beer on the Indians players as, as they came off the field. The Indians players tried to almost get into the stands and fight them. Uh, so a lot of animosity and a lot of buildup to this game of, you know, hey, they can't treat our Indians that way. And the Rangers are bad, too. The Rangers are historically a very bad team. It's probably their third year in Texas at that point. And Billy Martin's the manager. And so they asked Billy Martin, you know, after the brawl game, why aren't you worried about going back to Cleveland and facing some retaliation? Uh, and he said, well, they don't have enough people for us to be worried about. Oh, yeah. And, and right. then he used a little profanity. I could give a, a blank less about, throw, about throw that. Throwing down the gauntlet. So yeah, and so the whole week, there's all this buildup to this this game. The Rangers are coming back in town. Um, and <laughs> it happens to coincide. The first game back is also 10-cent beer night. So, <laughs> All right. And, and let me tell you back, in 1974, 10-cent beer night, a regular beer back then was 60 cents. Yeah. Back in 74. But yeah. still, in 1974, when this country was going through a, a, a terrible time, economically speaking, a 10-cent beer... Yeah, 10 cents is about 50 cents today. So imagine it yeah. being a 50-cent beer night is about about equivalent right? to Right? You would jump on that. Yeah, it, it's it's very little. If it was 50-cent beer night at, 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 at you know for the Clippers... You know, yeah, we'd be there. We'd be there there now. They'll have a dollar beer night at a bar, and it's just like shitty little Dixie cups. Yeah, I mean fifty. Yeah, like I said, still drink it. Yeah, (laughs) sure. And it was Strohs, so the beer that night was Strohs. Oh, I love it. Now I, I'm a little too young to remember Strohs, but when I first started drinking, I I had a few Strohs. Strokes. They weren't great. They were, uh, is that they a Milwaukee? Better. I would say. I think it was a Milwaukee beer. I think. Yes, it was. Goble Stro- and Strohs. Strohs sure was better bad. in the bottle than the can. <laughs> I've had Strohs in a bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was uh, this was Strohs that was coming out of a, just beer trucks mostly that they had actually parked inside the stadium. And it was three uh, two beer. It was low. It was. Low it was. Beer. Yeah. It was three two percent, which which is still you know not much lower, but it's definitely lower than what's right. Bud Light about four and a half mm-hmm. probably. So but, yeah, it's a lighter beer. But. And 10 cents of beer. 10 cents of beer. And my favorite part of the promotion, first of all, other teams had these promotions. The Indians were not the first one. The Brewers had had one. Texas, the Rangers had actually had one um, with little to no incident. Uh, But Cleveland had never held one. And they didn't really change anything about the way they were going to do it. They kept, um, you know, they kept the same amount of security, which if you were around back then, I mean, security was a lot different. So there's a handful of police. There's 50 security guards and 25,000 people. Uh, I'd say about 20,000 or so are there to just get hammered. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not there for the baseball because the Indians, again, are very bad. They're there to to let Billy Martin and the Rangers know that they you know won't let Cleveland be treated this way. And then things just spiral out of control pretty quickly. Very quickly. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where to begin on this. Uh one thing I do love, Dino, is is the they did have one rule. I said they had no, they didn't really change things. You were only allowed to get six beers mm-hmm. per visit, so but you could go back. Uh sure, you could go back you as many times back. as you want. But and I think six was just probably the number that they had in the little cup holders that, that you, you could would grab. carry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't want someone carrying more than six. It's going to be a mess anyway. So yeah. they're like, well, how about six? Six, six, six per visit. Six no per limit f- on the visits. Uh, so, no limit on the visits whatsoever. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, and so one of the big problems that talking from to so many people who were there was they noticed how young the crowd was. So it seemed, you know, and obviously the drinking age I think it was nineteen then. 
Um, Especially 18, three, 18. for 3-2 beer. Yeah, yeah. for 3-2 beer. And yeah. so it was not just that, but they're 14, 15, 16-year-old friends. You can go get six. You're not going to drink six of them. You so you can bring them back to your, your, to your younger friends. And kids, again, kids get drunker on 3-2 beer than other people. And everyone else talked about how the umpires, we, you know, we have interviews with the umpires if you go listen to our episode. And the two living umpires that are on the episode. And they talk about the first thing they noticed when they got out there is this haze of smoke on the field. The whole stadium smelled like marijuana. So <laughs> they realized right away, like, that's a little unusual. Not just smelled it, but, like, saw it. You saw know? it. There's clouds. Yeah, it was a really hot, sticky, no wind kind of night. Um, and it's just a cloud of marijuana on the field when they took the field about 10 minutes before first pitch. Oh, man. So let's, let, let's talk about the year. Yeah. 1974. Not a good one. Not a great year for this country. Watergate's going on. The economy's in the toilet. Gas crisis. Everything. I mean, a whole bunch of stuff. So a 10-cent beer night would be a a release valve for a lot of people to come out. And, and plus the fact that we had this animosity from the last game with the Rangers. Yeah. So the stars are aligning, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, it was a full moon as well. I mean, <laughs> full moon. Oh yeah, God. full moon to boot. It was a full moon tonight oh, as well. But yeah, yeah, it's a full it moon. It is a full moon tonight. Yeah. A very low-hanging moon tonight. And so, yeah, 1974 is a bad – Watergate, like you said, I mean, Nixon will resign – Two months after this game, um, the, he's going to be impeached a few weeks after this game on TV every day is the, the hearings in the, in the House, uh, in the Senate about the impeachment. you got the gas crisis where there's no gas or there's very little gas or it's incredibly expensive gas. Patty Hearst is something I've been looking into mm-hmm, recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patty Hearst has is, is just you know been seen robbing the Hibernia Bank a couple days before this. And then all that, as bad as it is, nobody took it worse on the chin in the 70s than Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, Cleveland is, they lose 177,000 residents from 70 to 80. It's an exodus. A mass exodus. 25% of the population. 600 factories in Cuyahoga County closed. Don't come back. There's something called stagflation going on, which is, stagflation is when you have really high unemployment. It's when you have a a drop in GDP or, or, you know, economic growth throughout the country and really high uninflation. It's like three... Things that we're kind of seeing merge a little bit right now, uh, a stagflation stag. situation. I, I was thinking stag, like stag party, but that's like, like that's way opposite. The stag, stag party, party would have been, been better awesome. than stagflation. Yeah. So things are really bad, but they're always worse in Cleveland when something like this hits. And the city's looking at bankruptcy. The city council meets that spring to talk about what bankruptcy would look like. They're talking about closing down the theaters, getting rid of uh, all kinds of things in Cleveland. And then this game kind of comes up. And you're right. It is a, a venting opportunity for people in, yeah. in the worst way. They were talking about tearing down the entire Playhouse Square. Yeah. yeah. Which right now is like one of the most mm-hmm. successful theater districts it's in really the country. Not, it looks great. And it's, yeah. and it's huge, too. It's I mean, huge. it's not Broadway, but it's it's. But, very, it's but you know what? If Broadway had a second, yeah. you know, the theater district in Cleveland yeah. would be one of them. I mean, Cleveland right now is 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 great. Yeah, it's growing. You know, it's much better. It's sure. much better. Um, I was. Uh, this is Cleveland at its lowest. Yeah, I was a freshman in high school, and I got to be honest with you. Like I said, I was more a football fan than a baseball fan, but I remember talk about the ten cent beer night because it definitely made the news <laughs> <laughs> the the next day. Um, it's I, I don't know which perspective to take this from initially. How did it all start to go awry? Yeah, so. They, they start the game. The people we talked to, just like we talked to the, one of the best interviews on there was uh, 
was Mike Shropshire, the beat reporter for the Rangers. He takes the train in from the airport to the game, and he said people are already getting loaded on, you know, a guy <laughs> a guy offers him a, a drink of his Crown Royal bottle. Like, he, he, I think he said he thought it looked more like they were coming back from a 10-cent beer night uh, than going to one. And, and we got all these interviews from a, a good friend, Seth Mockerman, who was making a documentary about 10-cent beer night. It still hasn't been made. Um and maybe it will with this 50th anniversary coming up. But he gave us all these great interviews from the umpires, the announcers, Mike Hargrove, the, the former manager. I was going to say, Mike Hargrove. Is, His interview was amazing. It's a great interview in this particular podcast. Yeah. I mean, he has a lot to, to and say. And he gets very involved, too. But the first inning, the really the first thing that everyone talks to, from the players to the announcers to the people who are there, a woman runs on the field, and she runs out, she kisses the umpire, the home plate umpire, and then flashes the crowd. And she's got very large breasts. And they every person we talk to mentions, well, that woman ran on the field. That woman ran on the field. The woman with the breasts ran on the field. The and they, this is like 50 years ago. So, I mean, that must have been something <laughs> pretty. Be was it Morgana? It had it, to be Morgana. It was not Morgana. Not Morgana. No, it was not Morgana. I've seen Morgana. Um, this was a uh, this was just a, a Cleveland woman who ran on the field. She flashes the crowd, and the place goes nuts. So, after that, it was kind of, you know, well, this is this is how it's going to be. We've opened the floodgates. Yeah, she yeah. was the first one on the field, and she really got the crowd going. She's an American sure. hero. Yeah, she is. And so Hargrove <laughs> talked about like one of the only people, the police. There's only 12 people arrested when you hear about what happened at this game. It's that's unbelievable it's to shocking. me. <laughs> With the 25,000 people there, and some of the stuff that we're going to talk about that happened as the game progressed. 12 people, and she was one of those 12, and they really like manhandled her off the field, and that. That also, you know, made them angry. That also made the crowd angry. Of hey, right. and so then a father and son kind of chime in, and a father and son run on the field in the second inning and moon the crowd. They run out the second base, <laughs> and they both moon the crowd. And again, that after that, it was pretty much on. People are streaking. Streaking was huge. Streaking was mm-hmm. big in the in the seventies. Um, but we're talking five, then ten people in the third inning, fifteen people streaking in the fourth inning, twenty people in the in the in the fourth. You know, the have fifth you ever inning. streaked? I've streaked in high school. Yeah, I think I streaked in I high school. I streaked in college. Yeah, yeah. 77. Maybe it was college. So college uh, streaking was still kind of yeah. in that in that world. I had, like lost some kind of drinking game and had to like streak around the block or something. Oh no, we we did Let's a we did a, uh, a a herd, a group oh, yeah, streaking. Yeah, yeah. Um at Ohio State freshman year in 1977, we would uh we decided we were going to streak um, come around High Street to Lane Avenue and well, go down a- Lane Avenue. At the time, there was where where uh, I believe it's a uh, Buffalo Wings. Yeah, yeah, BW three right now. At the time, it was a bar called the Thirsty Eye, and we did it on Thursday night. That was the biggest night for the Thirsty Eye. There were about 15, 16 of us that would streak collectively down Lane Avenue, and and then we did it every Thursday. For like four Thursdays. You had like a streaking club. Like a streaking club. It was like, okay, <laughs> are they going to do it again? We did the second week. By the third week. Crowded grown. Crowded grown, yeah. And so did campus security. Uh-oh. And they were trying whoop, whoop. to, yeah. So by the third week, and then the I, I remember, I can't remember the poor bastard who wiped out around uh... the corner from the high street to Lane Avenue. But he, he wiped out and fell oh, and no. just had a. Uh, street burn uh, down his picking pebbles out of his car oh yeah 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 yeah. and that was it ouch 
Yeah. I mean, four nights, that's a pretty good streaking. Four streak. weeks. Four weeks, right, four right, weeks. right. It's a great streaking streak. Yeah. Good streaking streak. We started, it started with uh, us streaking through the commons. Okay. Through the, the, the cafeteria. Yeah. And then... Uh, not my proudest moment, but uh, no, but but to your point, seventies streaking was was a big deal. It was a huge deal, and, and there was a lot arrested. of streaking involved over the course of, of this game. But like I'd say, probably a thousand streakers if they added everything, everybody up, at least like five hundred people running across the field. <laughs> and the problem was is that they couldn't. The security was so lax and was so few that they never like caught any of them. They would just run around as long <laughs> as they could, and eventually they'd just like jump over the fence and they'd be gone. So, like I said, twelve people were arrested. Maybe they got two or three streakers. Most of the people that were arrested were arrested in when they got on the field for the big riot at the end of the game. Right, which we'll get to here in a, in a little bit because this continues to escalate as the night goes this on. This is great because I, I don't know a whole lot about this. This is no, awesome. You, were, I, you weren't even born. No, 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 no. And I've known about it, and I started listening. I've listened to about half the pod, your podcast, and then part of me was like, I kind of want to wait till here. <laughs> I, like, I, you know, I don't want to spoil it. This is great. It, it just slowly gets worse and worse. I mean, when we're talking about the middle innings, people are starting to get really drunk in the middle innings. The pitcher, the all-star pitcher for the Rangers, gets a comebacker. Ferguson Jenkins hits him right in the chest, and he's mm. down for a few minutes. And the crowd's going nuts, and they're cheering, cheering his injury, um, <laughs> which really, you know, pisses off the Rangers. Um, the other thing that happens is like a lot of guys talk about this: is how there's this beer truck out in right field, and you got to think about this. It's twenty-five thousand guys drinking Stroh's, and, and there's women there, of course. But I would assume it's a more male-dominated crowd. And the bathroom lines are incredibly long. Sure, with the, three, two beer? The beer lines are incredibly <laughs> long. So it's really hard to get your beer, in, at least in this right field section. And there's a woman pouring beer. There's a woman taking the money. And there's just a table between them and the beer truck. And in the third or fourth inning, people are getting so upset about how long it's taking, they just pick the table up and just threw it over the beer truck. And those two employees just, you know, just two leave. young ladies, they just walked, I mean, probably scared for their life, just walk off. So now it's become like free beer night at oh, Cleveland Municipal Stadium. Wow. And now people are just drinking out of the spouts. They're pouring up all their cups. Uh, drinking out of the spout. And, and just, yeah. It's like a, a kegger. And it's yep. like an oil truck full of beer that's out there in, yeah. in right field and left field. So that's what oh really escalates things in the stands. And people talk about right field and left field where the beer trucks were. That's where you started seeing this sporadic fighting, all the yelling, and just like things are getting really out of hand in the corners. Um, of the stadium by the by the foul poles really is where it's bad and that's where the beer was mostly located it's so, insane yeah it's getting bad it's getting bad we're about the fifth or sixth the, okay so we're only by halfway through the game okay, okay. so it's the fifth or sixth inning and the rangers are up yeah the rangers are up probably 5-1 i think 5-1 at that point, yeah they're right? up three nothing three right. one they right. go up five one no one really cares about the game um and yet they kind of do because the indians rally yeah, they do. So they score two in the seventh. They score two. And if we get to the ninth inning, um, they score two again. They actually tie the game and right. have the bases loaded with, uh, I think, with one or two outs. And they're about to win the game uh, right. at that point. And so I'm talking about all these people out in right field. The, the fence is really low out there. And you, know, you talk like the Hargrove interview. Things have been escalating all night with players and fans having contact. So... At one point, a bunch, and I remember a lot of the interviews talk about the fireworks. And if you hear the clips, there's all these bangs in the background, like loud explosions that you hear. And people are throwing fireworks on the field and the stands. 
And they start throwing them at the players. And firecrackers in the bullpen. Yeah, some M80s, that they said, in, into, the, into the bullpen. Firecrackers and the cherry bombs in the bullpen. So the umpires awesome clear the bullpen. So all the bullpen guys are in the, in the dugout. They've got to just warm up on the mound if they're going to come in. Um, and it's just really unsettling. Like the, hearing those those bangs all the time in the background, it really does sound like a I little. Will, I would bet. Yeah, a little bit of a, a war. So, a lot of the families by the sixth, seventh inning start clearing out. The you know it's said that some of the Indians executives start leaving in the seventh inning. Like people can tell it's going to get really bad. And so in the ninth inning, finally the Indians come back, they tie it, and to a fan, it's actually a, a guy named uh, Terry. I can't remember his last name. But he still lives in Cleveland. Uh, he runs on the field to take the right fielder's hat. That's his drunken plan. He's Terry Gurgich. He's, right. he's 19 years old. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to run out there and like, we'll take his hat. Take his hat. This is so he would be a, a Rangers, Rangers player, right? It's a Rangers okay, player. Yeah, it's the bottom of the night. Yeah, so it. Go for it, dude. It's yeah. Jeff, Jeff yeah, do Burrows. It, do it, do it. Yeah. Jeff Burrows is the right fielder. He's actually the, ends up being the league MVP in 1974. Um, Joe Burrow, Jeff Burrows, uh, Joe Burrow's great uncle, Jeff Burrows is, is he would come back. I remember when I was a kid, he led long beach to the little league world series. His son was the star pitcher, but in 74 he's in right field. He's a, he's a league MVP, Terry Gergich, whatever Yurkich, one of those Cleveland names. Sure. All, you know, that's a real, Cleveland, yeah, just, they're all, you know, Slavic names up there runs on the field, grabs Burrows hat and then kind of trips over Burrows. And now, and then Burroughs kind of falls down. And so Billy Martin, who's in the dugout, it's it's a weird sloped field. So he's looking from the third base dugout out to right field, and he sees Burroughs disappear. He saw a guy right. jump on the field, and then he sees Burroughs disappear. And so he grabs his bat and leads the Rangers onto the field with their bats. With their bats. With their bats. Like 20 of them. There's a picture of that. It's somewhere. a great yeah. picture. Yeah, Crazy. We talk, we talk with the photographer who took all those those pictures on the field. He's on the episode. He's, he's passed away now. Um, but his interview is part of it, thanks to to Seth and his documentary. Um, oh my God! And so he gets that picture when they're running out there. Um, he had run out on the field because someone had thrown a chair from the upper deck. These chairs at Municipal Stadium are really easy to just yank oh out. Well, God. from what I understood, that's what the fans are doing. They were they were yanking chairs, they were snapping chairs, they yeah. were taking. I mean, it, it starts to get like Warriors, yes, come out and play. <laughs> it starts to it starts to go like that, right? It starts to get crazy. It does. So they they. Someone threw a chair, landed right next to Paul Tepley, is the guy in the episode, the photographer, and that's right when he ran on the field and took that great picture of the of the. There it is, yeah, yeah. of the Rangers. The video, John. The Rangers yeah. running on the field Crazy. with their bats. So they run after Burroughs, and the fans start running out to, for whatever reason, by the hundreds coming into right field, and then you've got players, the Rangers, battling hundreds of of drunken Cleveland fans. Uh, you mentioned uh, Mike Hargrove earlier. He 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 talks about being pelted with hot dogs. Yeah, he said, and yeah. also uh, an empty gallon jug of a Thunderbird. Thunderbird, Thunderbird wine. wine. <laughs> Thunderbird. Is, was it like a Mad Dog or something? The Thunderbird it, was Thunderbird. was one of those cheap Ripple wines that yeah. was right up there with Mad Dog. You either went with Mad Dog. I cause I I'm I am a child of the seventies. Yeah, and I remember drinking. Thunderbird. I think that was in the dog. fifth inning. He's and at first base. Boots yeah. Farm, Boots, Annie yeah. Green Springs, all the all yeah, the would, same family. But Thunderbird, would, Thunderbird was a special, special. You had to be like a. It was a like, lower. I feel like it was lower class than Mad it Dog. Was no, low, no, actually, I think it was upper class. Okay, okay. I think I mean, if you if you were a degenerate wino and you were drinking Thunderbird, 
you know, at least, at least, you know, I go, you know, I'm a degenerate wino, but look what I got. You it's, know? Yeah, it's, it's, and it's, a gallon jug of that. Right. So he, he talks about that in the episode. Fifth inning, he's at first base, and obviously people have been pelting him with hot dogs and insults. But someone, he felt something land next to his leg and kind of roll up to his, like, back of his heel. And he looks down, it's an empty gallon jug of Thunderbird wine. <laughs> and he's obviously like, Mike Cargo's a tough dude. I mean, yeah. and, and he would show that, you know, later on this evening. But he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't want to, like, make a big deal out of it to, you know, encourage these people, you know, act like he's worried about it because then they'll do more stuff to him. He just kind of kicks it into the foul into foul territory because the game's going on, and he, you know, well, we'll just get it after the game. And he's like, "I made a huge mistake because whoever threw it then ran on the field, and got it, and got it, and climbed back into the stands before I even like I turned around. The guy's running back, and he's like, "I'm going to end up having to. This is this guy's just going to keep throwing this gallon jug. Same gallon jug. So he talks about how I just made a huge mistake. I should have stopped the game. It's it is a gallon glass jug that yeah. someone threw at me." I should have stopped the game and given it to somebody and gotten it off the field. Oh and the guy God. goes, throws it at him, and then goes and gets it back. <coughs> Man, there was some crazy. Uh, as as the drunkenness continued, correct me if I'm wrong. People were stealing bases. So the bases didn't get stolen until the end. So they, the end. yeah, that was that was kind of one of the last it's things like, that was okay, done. Okay, now now it's just. Yeah, once the Burroughs thing goes down, and now we're talking about hundreds of people in in the stands. Oh you can't God. play the game. I mean, it's a huge. A huge, bra- uh, huge brawl, and Billy Martin's bat, you know, is splintered. He's used it on people. They've got these parts of the oh stands, chains. I mean, the 70s were a crazy time. Like, a lot of people had knives and chains on it, them back it, then. It does sound like the Warriors now that you're talking it about does, it. Man. So, it does, man. It sounded like when, you know, it just continued to escalate and just continue to grow and grow and just get uglier and uglier as the night went on. Yeah. I mean, it, it's... By the ninth inning, it's just complete bedlam. And so... Yeah. The Indians then run on the field to defend the Rangers. Um, and so now the Indians... <laughs> they're fighting for each other. They're fighting for each other. Yeah, that's I mean, awesome. At this point... Yeah, the, the, I mean, it's, you know, so you got about 50 guys fighting against, you know, three or 400 fans. And they finally get Burroughs and everybody out of right field. And they get back to kind of the pitcher's mound area. And Hargrove talks about looking out. And he, he described it as Custer's last stand. Like, he looks out and there's 500 people, mostly young, that's long-haired, crazy. drunken white kids. And they're just moving slowly and slowly closer to him. And he said, everybody stops. They get to like the edge of the, the infield and they all stop. And one guy runs out of nowhere and takes a swing at Hargrove. And that's when things really broke. Hargrove just starts just beating this kid up. And then everybody swarms him. And at that point, that's when you see, you know, the fireworks, you know, going off. That's when you see the bases getting stolen. There's that a knife that's bedlam ensues. Yeah, a chair lands on one of the Indians players' heads from the upper deck wow. and he splits his skull open. Wow. The umpires gets hit with a chair and um and things obviously. The my favorite part and and I didn't notice it till I got all these clips of it is while this is going on the organist is playing. <laughs> he just and not at the beginning, but he starts playing during it like take me out to the ball this game. Awesome. Like, <laughs> just like and and there's a quote somebody talked to him and he's like uh, you know, I was just trying to restore order, and it's the organist that's really the only. This is this is my skill set. <laughs> I know this three is all songs. I got. This it's like the band on the Titanic. But it does. It sounds. <laughs> they're, it's they're so keep surreal and ridiculous until the boat goes down. <laughs> and so they steal the bases, and, and 
if you ever get a chance to listen to the the audio of the ninth inning, we play it in the episode. Yeah, but you know, he's like, "Well, the bases are gone. Oh, this is just terrible." And because the guy is still up in let, the in the, in the let, booth let, calling let's it. Let's talk about that guy for a second, Joe Tate. Joe Tate. Yeah. Let's talk about Joe Tate. I love who, Joe Tate, who was uh, announcing the game and also almost got fired. As a result of that game, his description of it is very—he's uh, telling it like it is, like it is. This right. is a riot. This is disgusting. Uh, these people are animals. You know, they need the national guard. Where's the Cleveland police? Um, and he actually, yeah, he almost gets fired the next day because everyone's saying, you know, you disrespected the team and you made it sound worse than it was. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. He not did. At all. He told the truth. Yeah, he told the truth. So the owner actually was out of town, came back. Listened to Tate, gave him the ninth inning audio, and then the owner actually, instead of talking to the other executives who were embarrassed by this, you know, they're trying to deflect the blame of it. Sure, sure. And and they, he just went, and the owner was actually a pretty cool guy, Nick Maletti. He went and talked to the ushers and some of the old timers around the stadium that he knew would tell him the truth because they, he'd known him for years, and they told him, Nick, this is as bad as it gets. It's the worst. It was a complete debacle. I saw this. I saw this. And the Maletti said, you know, I'm not going to fire him. He just told the truth. And Joe Tate was a, a great interview, too. He didn't quite see the humor in it. He was the one guy who was no. like, this is awful. Well, no. Um, being being a baseball guy. Yeah. They're pretty straight seeing, up. He's old school. Seeing yeah, the yeah. integrity of the game yeah. being diminished and, and, and brought to the level that it was yeah. that night, I, I imagine that had to be tragic for him. It's, yeah, and that's the word he used a lot. It was tragic. Um, and so, at that point, the umpires call the game. It's 5-5. Five to five. The Indians are about to win. Oh, no. That's which crazy. Is, you know, oh, classic Cleveland-style snatching, you know, defeat from the jaws of victory <laughs> um and they call the game and that's and that's it and they fight their way off the field and and everybody it's gets, a forfeit it's a forfeit which in baseball is a nine to nothing loss right but the rangers forfeited right no no no, 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 no the no, umpires no, cleveland no, the umpires yeah. gave it to the rangers yeah the umpires forced cleveland to, to forfeit to the rangers yeah. Forced yeah. cleveland to forfeit and the it rangers goes in the books the it's a nine nothing loss uh, so um <laughs> that's funny baseball uh, being how we are, especially these days, everybody looks at, at the, the stats. Stay. The, the stats counted. The stats, the stats counted. counted. Even though it was a five-five game, the stats counted. The stats counted. Even though it said it was right. a nine-nothing Cleveland loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, you know, in the bar that that night. Jeff Burrows, the guy who they attacked, it's like a cool California kid. Uh, who said, like we said, he's the MVP that year, and he his biggest thing was everyone's talking about. Well, this happened. They're all telling their war stories, and he asked the beat reporter. Do the stats count? Because <laughs> I, yeah. I went 0 for 4 and had three strikeouts, so I'm really hoping they don't count. And he's like, Jeff, I think they count. The stats, like, count. Oh, the stats count. The stats count. But Cleveland has a chance to 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 win. They would have won the game, yeah. So most. so who was that? A, as far as the umpires, was that one umpire that calls it? It was Nestor Shylock who called called the game. He was the chief, the the crew chief there. He's in the Hall of Fame, uh, like the most respected umpire. Um, and he's the one who called the game, and then they announced it over the PA system. He got hit with a bunch of stuff, whether it was a bottle. I know his hand was was really bloody um, from a chair. And then, you know, he's talked about it. We talked to the umpires in this episode, and they said they've never seen him so upset to have to forfeit a game. The language he's using. When he's going down the tunnel, Shylock, at the end of the game, he uses his fist or his mask wherever, to bust out every single light in the tunnel on the way down. Wow. And this is a guy who's, you know, a really professional umpire. So I would imagine, I mean, uh, uh, to, to for an umpire to call a forfeit, that's like... You don't see it. It's yeah. like I mean, a one in a million last, thing, The last right? forfeit in baseball is in 1995. Um, the last forfeit before that was probably, uh, well, there's the Disco Demolition Night in 1979. Right, right. Yeah, well, Johnny that and I a, were talking about that. That, that was, was a doubleheader. So the Disco Demolition 
happened in between the the two games and the field was just unusable because it had been destroyed and and burnt. So in Um, your opinion, what was worse? Tencent beer night or disco demolition? Disco demolition night is, has more video. Um, and it's It's kind of like the end. It's kind of got this feeling of the end of the seventies. It gets a little more notoriety, but dime a beer night, Tencent beer night was way uglier. More people were certainly injured, I think. And it just, it's a much worse event. Disco there, Demolition Night is, is is kind of fun. There was no TV that night either, was there? There's really very... I don't know of any TV footage. Very little, if maybe the news stations were there. It's all yeah, pictures and audio. So, yeah, well, and I, and I imagine, just Googled, well, why would they? I mean, right. you know... It's a Tuesday night with the sure. Tuesday night Indians. and the Indians are in yeah. a losing season. Well, and there's season. no cable back yeah, then, yeah. right? Seven, yeah. 1974. It's going to be local people on the radio. No, keep, I just I just googled vid pictures and there's there's a there's about a dozen black and white really cool photos of of the night and you can even buy prints. It'd be yeah, they're all from Paul Tepley. It was on our show. Yeah. So let me let me ask you this: uh, We're coming up on on an anniversary, right? Yeah, the fiftieth will be in three years. In three years, so two so, and a half years. Yeah. So. Cleveland obviously having improved through the years and still without a world a World Series. Yeah. Biggest well, since the Chicago Cubs, the biggest drought as far as a, a right. World Series. The Cubs series won team. theirs in Cleveland in sixteen. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Heartbreaking yeah. for the Indians. Um so when this anniversary rolls around, is this something that they go, yeah. I, I don't think or, or do they or do they draw some attention to it? Could I, I guess my question is, could Ten Cent beer a night? Happen again. Okay, they can make a comeback. Fifth anniversary. I mean, they, the Indians. Again. The Indians have some uh, have some attendance issues of their own. They're one of the least attended uh, teams in the league. They will shy away from this because it brings a black mark on the city. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guarantee you that people will be talking about. It. They would be very smart to have a dollar beer night or something like that. And the crazy thing is. They had another dime of beer night in Cleveland one month later. Right, they tried it six again. weeks later. Right, they tried it again. They sent people to all these other events where they had dime of beer night, and but they tried they, to do it they, again. But being responsible, <laughs> they limited. <laughs> they limited the, the amount you could get on your first go. I it was just it was, you. You got two beer. You got tickets, two beer. Like, yeah. But you could go back and get two more. No, you could not. You could so not they, get two more. I don't know more. exactly what the system was, but I think maybe they marked your hands or something. You could only get two beers that night for 10 cents. For 10 cents. And then everything else was, was huh. full price. All right. Instead of getting 38 beers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, um, I, you mentioned in, in the in the podcast that there were some, some future notables that were actually in attendance that night. Tim Russert was there. Oh, yeah, Tim Russert. Yeah, he's an alum of my... I went to law school at Cleveland Marshall, and he's he's one of our distinguished alum. Got great, uh, great oh, NBC, a, NBC News guy. Yeah, meet God the press his, host for many God years. rest his soul. He was there. Big, He's a Buffalo guy originally. He grew up in Buffalo, big Bills fan. But he's in Cleveland for law school, and he went to the game and claimed, I think his quote is, I had $2 in my pocket. You do the math. <laughs> so it would have been, if I look back, I think it was the summer after his first year in law school. Mm-hmm. So he's probably working in Cleveland. But yeah, he he said, I had $2 in my pocket. You do the math. I mean, $2 at that thing, you could do some damage. You could do some. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's where, where in 1974, where are you going to go spend $2 and get. I could catch a buzz. And get $2. hammered. Yeah. <laughs> Even on 3-2 beer. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. yeah. That's crazy. It's nuts. Um, so, yeah, with the anniversary coming up in a couple of years, uh, 74, you know. Okay. It'd be cool, do you know, to see them embrace it or do something even tongue-in-cheek. Tongue even tongue-in-cheek. 
I, I don't think they will. I really don't. I think they see it as a as a as a pretty you mentioned terrible a black, event. A, a black yeah. mark, but it's some, been fifty but years. But yeah, but sometimes you have to kind of embrace the bad as oh, well I as think the good. I think there's a way that they could make it really cool. And, somebody, and make could, it funny. somebody in marketing who's brilliant yeah. enough could actually find a way to spin this. Yeah, and, and make it. What a, I'm hoping the is these guys who who gave me all this great material, Seth and, and John. I hope that they get a chance, and they're in talks now with the 50th anniversary coming up. To make that, you know, they That's never made the documentary. As you know, you know, you need to get funding. Right. They made a sizzle. They did a lot of. They went around the country and, and did interviews. Um, but I'm hoping those guys get a chance they to make gotta, that movie. Cause, they do the 30 for 30s over. They're all awesome. But, yeah. But but less notable events than this. Sure. For and they talked to ESPN before they tried to sell it to, to Sports Time Ohio. Um, and they are in talks now, but with ESPN, it looked maybe more like a smaller thing, not a full feature film. Sure. But, um, sure. Like They've got great, or nobody knows more about it than than those two guys, and I, I've become a real ten cent beer night scholar for sure. But the, I really hope those guys get to make that movie because they're talented guys and they've they've got an idea. Tell me about how uh, they they even came up with the idea for that documentary. They it just John Dolphin just was they were drinking one night at the Newport and uh, here in Columbus, yeah, here in Columbus, and then uh, Seth still lives here in Columbus. He does a lot of work with like A and E and the History Channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and does a great job with what he's doing now, but it just kind of came up. They made a movie about uh, Ted Ginn Senior, a documentary mm-hmm. right. about Glenville High School in probably like 2006, 2007. And then John came up with this idea, and they really started researching it. And they thought, you know, there's this there's something there. here. Yeah, there's something here. Um, and they just never got the funding to do it, and they didn't want to do it on the cheap. They wanted to do it right. Um, and so maybe they'll still get that chance before it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. So the police come in. I mean, as 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 I was listening to your your podcast, they had the minimal amount of security that they would have for a regular Cleveland fifty game. security guards. Yeah, yeah all right, and, and a handful of police, five and a or handful six. of police, but not the amount of police. It just wasn't the Joe, kind of security that we're used to now. Back yeah, in the 70s. Joe Tate mentions that you know the National Guard should come in here, and and Joe and, Tate claims that his calling of the game, and he's not the only person that that I've heard say this. That's the only reason the police knew to come in. That's what brought the police in. It's his calling of the ninth inning, um, saying, "Where's the Cleveland police? We need National we need Guard. riot police down here uh, to quell this riot." Um, that's what got the police talking to each other. They listen to the game when they're driving around. The police came in and they did quell that riot quickly. Tear gas, Billy clubs. But yeah, and they that cleared, was, they, they took cleared care of business. And that yeah. was 1974, where the you police know, were a little more rough, a l- not a little rougher. And there's and, no uh, Facebook yeah, uh, videos of not, uh, what happened. Not a ton of consequences for <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, not a lot. Of, you know, they're they're there to take care of. And somebody needed to do something because you're talking thousands of people just running roughshod at that. Again, point. again, I marvel at the fact that 12 people were arrested for disorderly conduct yeah exactly that you know and maybe a couple of assaults there that they saw on the field the problem was there was no police there until you know probably 10 minutes after the game was called so nobody died nobody nobody died died. and and they say nobody went to the hospital which you look at these pictures there's some bloody players (laughs) again numbers in the 70s were not the same as they are now you know (laughs) Nobody the, went to the, the hospital. The stats are sketchy. Well, and, the, and we talked with the front office guy, and he said, you know, and it's there were no incidents outside the stadium. 
There were no reports of drunk driving in Cleveland that night. Right, That's what he right, says. Right, I'm right, like, right. yeah, but how do you? Come on. 1974. There was everyone was drunk driving in yeah. 1974. <laughs> you just had to really screw up to get arrested. Well, then again, again, I, I I go back to to where this country was in 1974. It was rough. You know, it was rough. Cleveland especially. You know, we mentioned the exodus earlier. Watergate was going on. Unemployment was at a, a super eight nine percent. You know, yeah, super high rate. Yeah, NOM's winding down. Too. Yeah, I mean, every, it was it was a crazy time. So I would imagine that if, if baseball is the escapism that some people look towards, you know, people look to, sometimes towards whatever they is to to, re, to release their valve. Sports, yeah. Sports is one of them, and this particular night, given the game that preceded this game, yeah. you know, a little bit. And it then, really was a full moon, perfect storm. Yeah, perfect storm. And it's it's weird that tonight's a full moon, too, <laughs> that we're having this podcast. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a podcast, first of all, it's, it's, it's the last of this season's podcast. It's our season How, six finale. Season six. God bless, man. Yeah. Six seasons. Yeah. That means we kind of started our podcast around the same time. Almost, yeah. I think you maybe had two or three episodes out before yeah, yeah, we yeah. started. Yeah, yeah, And then our... you started. So you're on season six. So we must be in our sixth year as well. Yeah, yeah easy. Yeah. We should Not do what Hasty count. does. We should do like 10 podcasts. How many do you do a year? I do. I used to do 15. Now I do 12. Now you do 12. We should do 12 yeah. and call it a year. I just, yeah. Still, I just, I get to take a break liquor, right though? now. I'm on break for the next 30 days. Yeah, but to your credit. And, uh, I mean, and, I'll just be reading and researching. Yeah, you'll be yeah. reading and researching in your downtime. You do a lot of research and prepare for the next season. Yeah, I'm trying to make the best history podcast that one man can make by himself. Which st- reminds me of one simple thing that we must do. Oh, this that's right. Oh, Let's yeah. see here. I haven't forgotten. <laughs> I was just waiting for, for the right moment. Uh, at this year's Columbus Podcast Awards, we were fortunate enough to win uh, best comedy podcast of the year. Congratulations. Because we have, we have a lot of laughs. Two years in a row. Two years in a row, right. if you take the COVID year out of it. Sure. But uh, when Three they announced total. Best Places and Travel Podcast, and they announced the nominees. Mm-hmm. Distinguished list of nominees. Yes. Mm-hmm. and But the winner was Ohio v. The World. And uh-huh. Yeah, right wow. there. And, yeah. and the only reason I'm holding this and not you is because I went up on your behalf. Mm-hmm. Because I watched them uh, struggle with the people that weren't there to accept awards. Sure. And I, I couldn't let my buddy Alex... Go down like that. I'm glad. I'm sure you said. What did you say? Do you recall? Yeah, I do recall exactly what I said. I said, uh, <laughs> oh, Alex. Lord. I can tell you exactly what I said. I remember. I said, Alex Hasty is, is a dear friend of mine. I know that he would appreciate winning this award tonight because he does a lot of hard work, goes into each and every one of these podcasts, a ton of research. I said it's not something that is done easily or simply. So he, I, I think I can speak for him and say that he's very appreciative I am. of this particular honor. So here it is. Best places and travel podcast, Ohio. Places and travel, yeah, right there it is. So there you go, my friend. You get to take that home with you. Wow, thank you. Finally, thank you. This is my second Columbus podcast. Is it really? Did you win? We won last time. You won last time as well. Again, the category is best places and travel. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand why time travel. Maybe I don't know. We got best comedy podcast. I know we guys aren't funny. I know we. <laughs> I know we have laughs on this podcast, but I don't know. It's a comedy podcast. It's not really a comedy okay, no, podcast. No, 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 Give me a grin, so. Alex. We have a, we have a lot there of laughs is. on this podcast, right. but we don't. Uh, 
Well, this is great. And, and say what you will about the Columbus Podcast Awards. They make no. a great trophy. They make this a beautiful good trophy. trophy. Yeah, so I would like to try to support them uh, as much as I can. And thanks to, for everyone for voting. Yeah, thank you very much. We've got some overlapping uh, some overlapping fans, so I hope they probably yeah, voted we for do. both of us. We do. And yeah. the fact that we're both on Evergreen right now, we, yes. will, we will both make note of the fact. We will tell the powers that be that Evergreen that we have done this little Crossover. Mm-hmm. Crossover. That's the word you guys are looking crossover. for. These two award-winning podcasts have crossed yeah. their streams. <laughs> have crossed their streams. <laughs> right. And decided to uh, join at the hip. Yeah. Now, every podcast we've done with you has been fun, man. Yeah, this it is, is four, awesome. man. That's four. This is a good this one. Is great. This, this is good Ten one. Ten cent beer night yeah. right there. There it is. And, uh, yeah, you got to yeah. promise every every season to do like a liquor-fueled episode so we can have you on. Just yeah, have right? an excuse to get you back Yeah, on. because I think the last one we did was uh, pro- the Prohibition yeah, one. So yeah, we, we Remus. 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 Uh, George Remus, who was the like the Michigan, first bootlegger in Michigan, Ohio Michigan, versus yeah. Michigan, in the Battle of the Toledo. Battle of Ohio and yeah, Michigan. The, that, that was, was a good, good one. They were all good. All right, I'll keep the liquor. The liquor one's coming. We'll figure it out. We do. <laughs> we'll do one liquor episode a year. We used to do one murder <laughs> podcast a year. We kind of haven't been able to keep that up. Yeah, so we'll do, yeah one, liquor. One alcohol. Well, you know, fueled. it doesn't matter, man. Whatever you do, we we love having you on. So let's not let's not go this long in between. I agree. Visits before it's all said and done. Congratulations on the award. Thank you. Uh, neither one of us won podcast of the year. Nope. No. Nah, that's bullshit. Who did I go to? Mm-hmm. Who did I go to? I went to the Dadass podcast, that's I think. Right. Uh, those guys seem like nice guys. Though. They are very nice guys, and yeah. we're going to do a crossover episode with them. Cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they do a lot of alcohol. Really they, they, stuff. they, 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 yeah. They're, they're, uh, they're dads. They're probably. dads. That's they're, a, they're dad young dads, and yeah. they're, and they're, well, you're a young dad. I'm a young dad. Yeah. So yeah. I've gotten into to drinking maybe a little more. Since mm-hmm. I become a dad, yeah. you got him. How's that going, by the way? Uh, he's great. He's how old is two? How, Will t- two. two years old? Wow. Man, he's gonna be really smart. Wow, he's just a really you think smart. so? How oh, do you know that? He's. I'm having full blown conversations with him. Well, with him, really? Yeah. Now, does the smarts come after? Uh, are they attributed to you or his mother? I would say. I would say both of us. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm looking at him and comparing him to other kids his age. Mm-hmm. Is kids, he funny? Is he? He's funny. T- oh yeah. See, he's we real we funny. just saw a thing that funny kids. Grow up to be smart. Yeah, I mean, he, some of the things he thinks are funny. When well, he's, like, he's two. Calling something that he knows is blue and saying it's red. Like, I don't think yeah, yeah, that's you know. funny. He thinks that's funny. I, you know, I'll throw a few fake laughs out simple there. Joke. It's, yeah, simple. It's, it's, give start a, somewhere, give him a Jesus. courtesy yeah, laugh. I'll, I'll give him a give courtesy laugh. laugh. <laughs> no, he's, start with the, I, he's, you know. uh, he's great, man. And he is, he is funny. So it's, he comes from a funny family. We'll see. His wife's real, or my wife's real funny. His wife. His wife. He treats her like he's his wife. More boob, honey. Oh, I guess he's two. That's no, over that. he's still rocking know. it too. He's still. Are you gonna have more? Right. We'd like to have more. Yeah. 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 You hoping for another son or a daughter? Oh, I don't care. I'd like to have care? a daughter. My family's all. It's all hasty boys. My brother, you know, has two boys. Uh, oh, so I'd man. like to have a girl. Um, but just having one be, healthy be, kid, man. It's, it's I, no, it's, that's a beautiful thing. It's incredible. Be careful what you wish for, because mm-hmm. a daughter becomes something very, very unique and special. Ask Hansberry. Um, I, I love his daughter. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause I have a daughter, so, yeah. you know, she's and, more mature than all of us already yeah, at I six mean, and a half. <laughs> <laughs> daughters, daughters fill your heart and they break your heart. Yeah. At the same time. I, I, I like I said, I'm, if I just have one, I'm happy. If I have three, I'm probably not happy, but if I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right. Don't the most important thing I want to convey on this particular podcast is, is, is if you've not listened to Ohio v. the World and the last episode of this particular season, uh, 
10 cent beers. What's it called exactly? It's called uh, 10 cent beer night in oral history. I think we call everything Ohio versus so it's Ohio, right, versus, Ohio, Ohio versus beer. Yeah. Is the Ohio, name ver- Ohio versus beer. Ohio versus beer. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, ten cent beer night in oral history. The, the Evergreen people want us to have a little more. I know they, coherent titles. They, they, they want us. What do you they, mean yeah, more coherent? Yeah, I was like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe tell them what the episode's What's the about. Episode about right, <laughs> right, right, right. right, right. That's not yeah, a bad okay. idea. Yeah, yeah, a bad people idea. want to actually yeah. listen if they know yeah. what the hell's going on. <laughs> you know, actually, they're pretty smart over there. They have an entire podcast network. We should probably listen to them. Yeah, they 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 have some good points. Yeah. They- <laughs> Uh, our guest has been Alex Hasty from the podcast Ohio v. The World. Available everywhere you yeah. get your favorite podcast, but also at evergreen.com. That's right. Uh, the, the podcast network that we are very proud to be a part of. Uh, anything else you want to add, Hans? Yeah, at evergreenpodcast.com. Well, you there, check out all of our other brethren and sistren. sistren? Brothers and sisters. Brethren and sistren. Todd Jones is on there, right? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Todd Jones, Ohio, yeah. another Ohio uh, sports another podcast. Yeah, he is a great podcast. Yeah, he does. Speaking of sports, uh, we, uh, so yeah, while you're there, subscribe to uh, Ohio v the World and Whiskey Business, and rate and, and subscribe and review to all of uh, all, to both of us. Uh, share with all your uh, whiskey loving friends and your sports loving friends and your Ohio loving friends, and all your podcast enthusiasts. Uh, YouTube Whiskey Business with DinoTrapotis.com, Facebook, yeah. Instagram. Uh, Twitter and uh, uh, Peacock. We're on Peacock. And also, the, the thank you store. to John Whitney for bringing the yeah, Widow thanks, Jane. Ooh, I like uh, the Widow Jane. Yeah, the American Oak stuff. Age. Thank you, Johnny. That no problem, man. That bottle's to, on its last legs there. Yeah. yeah Might as well finish it. Yeah. Not an unusual Might as well finish it off, you know. Uh, uh, whiskey. We'll, we'll finish that when we uh, Use that or Old Bartstown. Our official goodbyes. Whiskey Business is a Never the Luck production which would not be produced without the considerable skills of our audio producer, Greg Hansberry, and our video producer, uh, John Whitney. There's the thumb. And uh, I'm only as good as our guests, and our guests have been a great one tonight, Alex Hasey from Ohio, V the World. Thank you, brother, man. Thank you. It's great to be on. uh, It's great to see you again, and great to hang out and talk about stuff that we both love. And uh, thank you for being a friend, and and let's uh, see each other sooner. Then later. Until the next bottle. See ya. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On Pressbox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on Press Box Access.